This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Barbarian in the same sense that Conan and, you know, Cole were barbarians. 
No, he wasn't. And that made him very unique because otherwise the, uh, the, the saga unfolded like a typical, you know, sword and uh, sorcery saga, but it had a lot of unique twists. And uh, I remember uh, enjoying that uh, very much. I was looking for it today. I couldn't dig up my old comics, but uh, I'm now in a quest for it. And you're doing something totally awesome now with uh, Machiste and Dracula. Yes. And uh, yes. you're pitting two against Dracula, which will be coming out in the 21st issue of the Creeps magazine, which I guess is going to be the Christmas issue. So it'll be coming out, I think, around September or November, somewhere around there. That is incredibly awesome. What inspired you to pit these two legends against each other? Well, it, it was a number of things. Um, I um, I've always been a fan of movies that had that were had, had a series where there was continuity from one to the next, especially when the continuity was wacko, where where it didn't make any sense. You know, like uh-huh. there were a lot of continuity errors in the Universal Frankenstein movies, in the Paul Nashy werewolf movies. Um, right. The Machiste movies, and and then I finally realized, well, hey, this guy is immortal, and he can appear at any time, any place. You know, just he can just pop up anywhere. And um, two of the movies, or three of the movies, actually had a big inspiration for me, a big influence. One was, of course, the Gordon Scott film, which they call, I think, Goliath and the and the Vampires here in the United States. Yes. But there was the the Witch's Curse. Well, you know, I saw that in a the theater thinking I was going to see, like, a regular Salem witchcraft movie. And I'm sitting there watching the movie, and it's going along like that. And suddenly, Machiste rides into town, you know, and, on a horse. And I, I was intrigued by that. And then I knew there was a film called Machiste versus Zorro. I said, well, I've got to see that. And I finally was able to track that down, I think, on YouTube. And I watched it, and I was watching the movie, and I saw Zorro in that black cape. I said, boy, yeah. that almost reminds me of you know, Dracula, and that's how it all just sort of gelled at that point. And so I was originally going to call it the Tuesday versus Dracula. I said, no, the titles of those Italian films, they used to use the word against a lot, but let's make it a yeah, little bit more authentic. And they called it Machiste against Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yes, that the word contra, and uh, they would pit their heroes together. I, I love those movies uh, with the, 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 you know, continuity uh, problems and also where uh, characters uh, who are unlikely to meet actually meet uh, as well. So I'm really looking forward to reading your, your tale, uh, especially well, now that you've you. sure inspired it, because I loved all those movies. Yeah, and if you read between the lines when the story comes out, um, there are little subtle references to those movies. <laughs> and um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, it, it, the, the response on uh, Facebook uh, has been phenomenal. I mean, I'm getting a lot of positive, positive um, uh, comments and things about it, and discussions about it. So much so that I'm, if it, if the story is successful enough, which I'm banking on that it will be, I went ahead mm-hmm. and wrote a sequel. And I can't tell oh. you the title of the sequel because it'll give away the ending of the first one. But if okay. it, you know, there might be a, a series there. The artist, um, Benito. Gajego is fantastic. He's got that kind of John DeSema vibe going on, and uh, he's having a great time with it. So uh, uh, he'll, do a, he'll do a fantastic job. I saw some pencils that were uh, put up uh, on uh, Facebook, and I was very impressed with the pencils. And you're right, it is very uh, uh, reminiscent of Busema and uh, his sword and sorcery tales, especially with Conan. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
it's something to really look uh, forward to. I'm looking forward to a series because uh, from the response uh, that I've been uh, hearing also, uh, people are really looking forward to it. So uh, um, well, I'm hoping. Well, when I wrote it originally, when I wrote it, I wrote it. it was, you know, most of the stories I write for the Creeks are six pages, and I wrote it mm. in six pages. And then I stopped to think, no, you know, I need more. It is, it's an action story, basically, even though it's a gothic horror film. I mean, a horror story. So I, I went and I added two pages to it, making an eight-page story, and I sent those off to the to the, mag, to the publisher, and, and they bought it. So we're, you're going to get the long version. Oh, that would be awesome. And uh, now you have been telling these hero tales uh, throughout your entire artistic career. What inspired you to uh, take this path, and uh, how did you start the journey? Well, when I was a kid, I had a lot of, I guess you would call them hobbies, uh, making amateur movies, writing my own stories, uh, doing artwork, you know, writing, writing and drawing my own comic books. And I, I had certain abilities I guess I was born with in, you know, in, in writing and art and music. And it just, these things came natural to me. They came easy to me. I was always getting really good marks in those areas in, in school, in grammar school and in high school, and uh, where the other kids were kind of struggling, but they were better in other things you know, like mathematics and sports and, you know, all that sort of thing. So I just, you know, I was I was in high school. We had a thing called um, College Day where all the people from representatives from all the local colleges came, and you would sit in an auditorium, and they would present, you know, they would out their, their wares. And, well, you come, if you come to our school, we're the best for, um, you know, uh, for um, uh, whatever, you know, whatever the subjects were. And... And I sat there, and I said, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't want to go to any of those schools. But I had to. You know, I wanted to go to college, so I went two years to DePaul University in Chicago where I was living. And then I found out by sheer accident that there was a thing called film school in California. And I, I told my mother, I said, I don't take care what it takes. I'm going to do my first two years here in Chicago, then I want to transfer to USC and go to film school. And that's how it happened. It's just one thing kind of led to another. I've been involved in a lot of different areas, everything from, you know, writing books about dinosaurs to comic books to music to novels to, you know, television shows. And I'm making movies now, you know, and, and back to writing comics again. I've written about 100 or more stories for the Creeks that are all on inventory. They're probably going to be coming, coming out long after I've assumed room temperature, you know. <laughs> I mean, they got a really a lot of those stories of mine. And I just wrote another one yesterday. I, I Sitting around here, I get an idea for something, and I, the only way I, I get that idea out of my head is if I sit down and write the story, which I did. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're going to be getting another one tomorrow when they send it off. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, I hope that you're not room temperature uh, anytime soon uh, because uh, you've uh, already created a long and lasting uh, legacy. Um, and I want that to continue. Now, um, what it, was it about pop culture that uh, drew you and kept you there? Well, I, I've always, as a kid, I've always loved movies, all kinds of movies, not just monster movies and things, but, you know, westerns and comedies and jungle films and, you know, all that type of thing. I've always loved music. I've always loved playing music. I've always loved, uh, I think what it all boiled down to, you know, at the end of the day, I've, if you take all the things I've been involved in, television shows, novels, comics, whatever, they all boil down to one thing, telling okay. a story. And I love, to, I love to tell stories and make up stories and tell them to people. 
And so I just find these different venues to do that. It was whether it's a script or it's a, a TV show or you know or a comic book story or a short story or whatever. I love telling stories, and um, and so that's I guess what. See, I I when I was sitting there in that classroom in that auditorium listening to all these people talk about their colleges. One thing I uh-huh. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do is you know when I grew up what my profession what my job was going to be. The only thing I knew was what I did not want to do, and that was to work in a regular normal nine to five job doing the same thing day in and day out, year after year, working for somebody I probably didn't like or respect. You know, doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I need that variety in my life. I need to be able to do something different, new challenges and. And, and and luckily, I've been able to survive doing that. That is awesome. And um, you followed your heart. You followed your calling. You followed your muse. Uh, a lot of people are afraid to. Um, what type of things were you telling yourself to give yourself courage and to break out of that uh, rat race nine to five uh, working for other uh, people circle? Well, I've always been a risk taker. And I, you know, I've, I've always let, um, you know, rejection roll off my back. I, I don't take rejection seriously because there's all kinds of reasons you can get rejected. It has nothing to do with your work. I think it kind of started out when I was a kid in Chicago. I was playing in rock and roll bands, and so I was up on stage a lot. And, um, uh-huh. and we had somebody had, a, somebody had a party, and I was terrified of girls back then. You know, I was just, you know, like 15 years old. And hadn't gone on a real date yet. And some, one of my friends was having a party. And you had to bring a date or there, were, you weren't, there weren't going to be any staff guests there, you know. And so there was a girl in our school, in our class, uh, played in high school band with her, who was drop-dead gorgeous. And everybody was afraid to ask her out. So I walked up to her. I worked up to her. I said, well, you want to go to this party with me? And she said, Sure. And a little bell went off, and, and, you know, if she had said no, I, it might have been, you know, the end of anything I'm doing today. But it, it was a bad wow. point. I realized that, you know, the worst that can happen is that they say no, and the worst that can happen when you, when you pitch a, a project or a job is that you don't get it. And there's all kinds of reasons why you can be turned down. For instance, you know, when I cast my first movie, I, I experienced this, but from the other end. There were actors coming in, and an actress came in, would have been fine, but she looked almost exactly like an actress I already hired in a major part in the movie, and the confusion would have been, you know, people would have been, you know, getting, who's that, who am I looking at now, but I don't think she ever knew why she didn't get the job, and, uh, you know, sometimes you can be rejected because you're too tall, or you have, let's say you have red hair, and you're the leading man, and you've already hired a, a, a leading lady who's got red hair, well, you're not going to hire two people with red hair. There's all kinds of little reasons like that that have nothing to do with the quality of your work or with your quality as a human being, you know. And I learned that very early on. And I used to write, when I first started writing, trying to write professionally, I would send out my manuscripts to publishers, and I would get almost all of them rejected. I have enough rejection slips from those early days that I think someday I'm going to have them hard bound, you know, and make a volume to put on my shelf. And... uh and, and after a while, you keep submitting, you keep trying, you know, you keep throwing, throwing enough darts at the, war, at the board, and one of them can hit the bullseye. And then suddenly some people started buying the things I was writing. And then it just mushroomed. One thing led to another. And the more credits I got, the more, the more jobs I got. So, you, you, you know, I, I understand that some people can't take rejection and some people are afraid to take a risk 
my whole life has been a risk. And, um, you know, I've gone through periods where I had a lot of money, periods where I've been dead broke. But the pendulum always swings back, you know. And, um, and, and so uh, I'm having a great time. I, I, I don't have any hobbies because my hobbies, what used to be hobbies, are what I do to make a living now. And um, it, there's nothing greater, I think, than to be able to make your job something that's fun, something you, you like to do. Because it's a difference in having a job where you can't wait until it's over so you can go home on a weekend to a job that you can't wait until it begins. And the depressing, the sad part is when it's over. Most certainly so. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I've always been kind of eccentric and creative, and I've always found ways of uh, uh, doing things that I love. And some of the things I've uh, done uh, have been kind of off the wall, you know, but I've managed to do them. So uh, for a while I was doing motivational speaking uh, for the Department of Labor in Jersey and the Department of Education in New York, where it's like, look what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's you know, very unlikely that your um, dream is as crazy as mine. But if I could find a way to do it, then you could find a way to do it. And then it help people. Um, you know, do things that would uh, allow them, whether vocationally or avocationally, to do what they really wanted to do instead of what they felt they had to do. Yeah, I've done a lot of that myself. Uh, and the, the, the sad part, at least when I do this, maybe you do too, I don't know. But I look out at that audience and I talk to the people afterwards. Some of them I get to know. And most of them uh-huh. just falls on deaf, deaf ears. You know, they, they get all jazzed up while they're hearing it. You know, they get all pumped up. But then they go back, when they go home, they go back to doing their merry, you know, their, their regular lives. And I even gave the graduation speech at my old high school. I thought, you know, uh-huh. wow, if I can get one kid out there to follow his dream, or as Joseph Campbell would say, follow your bliss. If there was yeah. one talented person out there who, who was a musician or an actor or a, an athlete or something who had realized that that's not a hobby, it's your day, it can be your day job. And, you know, it just, it, it, it bombed. It totally bombed. And uh, it, it's really kind of sad. It takes, it takes a certain kind of personality, I guess, and um, to, to really put, your, put yourself on the line, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and be willing to, to fail at it and be willing to, uh, to be rejected and all that. Yes, it is. But like you said, you know, each no will bring you eventually to a yes. So uh, uh, after a while, you learn to think of it like get the no's out of the way as quickly as possible, because uh, eventually somebody will say yes. And uh, yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of people give up way too soon. But I think also that we're, everybody's born with certain talents, if you want to call them that. Me too. that. And, and you've got to know what they are. I mean, some people really want to be an actor, let's say but they really don't have an, an ability to be an actor. Other people don't even have to take acting lessons or, or workshops. People like Spencer Tracy or Johnny Depp, they, they're just natural actors. With other people, you can look, you watch them in a film or in a play or something, you say, oh, they're acting. I can see the work being going through their head. I can see what they're thinking to, to say the line a certain way. And, I, and, and that, that applies to musicians and to artists and every other kind of thing in life. Oh, very true. And to never let go of those uh, dreams. I I remember I was uh, like in the sword and sandal movies, uh, they were translated as different heroes in different countries. So Machiste might be Hercules in one country, Goliath in another, Atlas in another. So I made a list of uh, roles I want to play in life when I'm not being uh, myself. Hercules is the role I play with through my life. Uh, And uh, I've been 
score. And uh, somebody asked me to play Samson in a play at the Nyack Village Theater a couple of years ago. So I got to play Samson and cross that off my list as well. So the real Samson or the Batista Samson? The real Samson? The real Samson, yeah. It was a play called uh, Harlots and Heresy. Uh, but still, you know, he's, he was on the list. I, I got an opportunity and uh, I grabbed it because it was on the list. Uh, of all the things yeah. that you've done, you've done so many things. What were your favorite things? What, which things are you the proudest of, or, or were the most fun? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, some of my comic books, my Doctor Spectre comics for Gold Key, uh, I was very proud of because it was a very personal book with me. My nonfiction dinosaur book, my dinosaur encyclopedias, which went for eight volumes, really proud of those. Some of my music, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I've made a comeback. I'm playing music again. Awesome. <laughs> um, so so I, it's really hard to say. A lot of the stuff I'm not proud of, I mean, all those Saturday morning cartoons I thought were just pretty much junk. I mean, we were just writing those for, you know, not for the kids. We were writing either for the toy companies or for the network censors, you know. But, uh, uh-huh. you know, they were all cookie cutter. I mean, they were just ground out. You know, uh, all of them were kind of the same. But um, some of the books, I, some of the stories I did for Marvel, I was really proud of. Some of the what-if stories. Um, it's hard to say. You know, I, I get too close to my, you know, I, I'm too close to most of them. And um, I'm really having a, I'm really having fun writing these creep stories because I started out my comic book career writing for Creepy, Vampirella, and Eerie for Warren. And now I've sort of come full circle and writing the same kind of stories, you know, <laughs> They're much better than the older one. I've, I've improved over the, the last 40 years or whatever it's been. I hope anyway. I, I love when life brings you full circle and you, you get uh, presented with the same types of situations. And um, I, I'm sure, based on all the work that you've done and how uh, popular it's remained, even those uh, Saturday morning cartoons, they're making a comeback now. Uh, and uh, people are revisiting their childhoods uh, through them, and uh, it, it's a pretty big thing. So there, too, you made uh, a lasting contribution that uh, helped somebody with their life. Uh, one of my regulars now, he started out as a guest, uh, and his first comic book uh, was uh, a He-Man comic. And uh, so that was one of the uh, Saturday morning cartoons, and uh, that launched his career, that he, he managed early on in following his dreams to get uh, uh, that, and that encouraged him and fueled him, and he continues to uh, pursue his dreams. Uh, and now he's pursuing another passion, bodybuilding. So uh, uh, it, it, you inspired people regardless of uh, what it was uh, that you did. And I'm really looking forward to seeing all the things that you're going to do. And you recently made uh, a couple of horror films, uh, Dancing with Werewolves and uh, Tales of Frankenstein. I'd love to hear about that, those as well. Well, Tales of Frankenstein is a movie I made. It came out last year because last year was the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley's novel, Frankenstein. That's when it was first published 200 years ago. And we made the deadline, and it's doing real well. It just won a Rondo Award, and, awesome. uh, which is like the Academy Awards of horror stuff. And uh, I've got a whole line of merchandise now. I've got books, T-shirts, a graphic novel, coffee mugs, the whole thing. And I have an Indiegogo campaign right now that's got about four or five days to run, if anybody's interested, of a photo sure. book. It's going to be 350 to 375 beautiful color photos from the movie and from behind the scenes and the 
the, the premiere and all that in, in one book. It's going to be a large 8.5 by 11 book, and they can find that uh, if they just go to uh, my Facebook page. There's all kinds of information. And uh, um, So anyway, Tales of Frankenstein is doing real well. The reviews have all been fantastic. And uh, just like with the Machiste story, I went ahead and wrote a – I have a sequel ready to go. All we need is the money awesome. to shoot it. But there's a, a, a Tales of Frankenstein book two, as I'm right now calling it. And uh, if I had the money today, we'd be in, the post, in pre-production tomorrow on it. And um, so it's uh, a lot of irons in the fire. I might, have, I might add, too, that the reason I, I did a Machiste film is instead of a, like a Hercules film is I've always uh-huh. found that character kind of a, a friendly character, especially when Kirk Morris was playing him. He seemed like a nice guy. And so I told my artist, um, Benito uh, Gajego, it's hard to pronounce the last name, uh, to kind of make him look a little like Kirk Morris. And when it comes out, if I can get an address or somebody, if somebody has a, a contact on him, I'd really like to send him a copy of, uh, of the comic book when it comes out. I will ask around, uh, and I'm sure somebody in the pe- Peplum groups uh, might uh, have contact information. Can I can I say hello to one of my one of my friends who's on that in that group? And that's the, yeah. the Stephen Smith and uh, Stephen Smith in Australia. He's been a big help to me, and I really appreciate all the support I've been getting from him. And uh, so anyway, hi Stephen. I hope you're doing well. Stephen listens to the shows uh, afterwards, I believe, that there's a big time discrepancy in, in Australia. Uh, but he's phenomenal. He and Nick Whale have uh, Peplum Paradise, and they're working on their magnum opus on uh, Peplum films uh, over like a period of 40 years uh, plus. Uh, and uh, I've interviewed them both before I had the uh, um, e-radio show I interviewed by email. So their interviews are still up somewhere oh. on my website. They're, they're really, really awesome people, and they're doing an awesome thing uh, preserving uh, the sword and sandals genre. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the my first movie, Dinosaur Valley Girls, one of the stars of that was Ed Fury, who played, uh, what was played Machuca at one point. He played, uh, um, oh, what was the character he played in those three movies? Um, Ursus. And uh, and through, through Ed, I got to meet and know... Uh, Reg uh, Lewis, who I think I think they're both still alive, and also I got to know Peter Lupus because his son did oh, wow. some post-production work on that on that same movie. All very very nice guys. That is phenomenal. And I'm looking at the clock. We only have a few more minutes uh, to go. Uh, I definitely want to have you back on. We barely scratched the surface, uh, and if okay. you. If you personal uh, send me the, the uh, Indiegogo campaign for uh, Tales of uh, Frankenstein, I will gladly uh, post that uh, on my page periodically with uh, the posters that you made. Uh, and this oh, way, uh, keep the interest up. How can okay, people? Okay, it's only got about four days to go yet, so we got to move fast on it. We'll put it up every day for the next four days then. <laughs> okay, great. And where are How... you, by the way? I'm in uh, New Jersey, right near New York City, oh, in uh, okay. Tenafly, Bergen County. It's uh, like a half-hour drive from New York. Okay. And how about you? I'm in Burbank, California. Awesome. I'm coming to California sometime uh, later this year, early next year. So we definitely have to get well, together well, for coffee. It's not, or, or it sounds like sounds like a fantastic idea. 
thank you so much, Donald. Uh, this you're awesome. Uh, how can people uh, get in contact with you or follow your work? Well, the easiest way is I have two websites. One is Don, just my name, DonaldFGlute.com, and there's a contact, uh, you know, an email contact on there. And then for my production company, uh, Pecosborn, P-E-C-O-S-B-O-R-N, Pecos, like Pecos, Texas, Pecosborn, okay. Pecosborn.com, and that also has uh, contact information. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you for enriching uh, my life and the lives of many other people through the tales that you tell and the art that you make. Um, Joyous journeys. I wish you success on all your adventures, and I look forward to having you back on again. Well, thank you. Thanks for all the support. Okay, we're going to listen to Brant Kardorian's King of Dreams, and then we'll be back with Brian Walker of Brian's Drive-In Theater.
I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and today is a day of legends. Our next segment, Sword and Sandals Cinema, is with Brian Walker of Brian's Drive-In Theater. And to a Peplum fan uh, and a fan of many B-movies, that site needs no introduction at all because it lives on in legends. Greetings, Brian. How are you? I'm great, Hercules. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. We have a new computer. It's taking me a little while to get used to it, but so far it seems to be working smoother than my old computer, so I'm happy for it. Well, I, I can tell you this from this end. The sound quality is better, and I don't get a lot of the reverb that I used to get. This this will be fantastic. Yes. Thank you very much for the feedback. It's important for me to know that. And thank you for always uh, uh, giving me good feedback because uh, we want to make the show the best that it can be. Well, and, you know, that's what I think we ought to talk about tonight is feedback. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think it's time to, to kind of go public with it. Okay. I'm really searching. I'm searching for... Uh, the a direction in which to take the website. The Hercules section, you know, as you know, was the very first section uh, of the website that I built. And I've been pondering this for months, uh, but it's probably time to start verbalizing and talking about it. I, I really need to try to figure out where to take the website. Where, where do we go from here? You know, when I uh, started working on it uh, back in the late 1990s, if you think back to then, you know, the copies of, you know, the peplums uh, that you had on VHS were probably kind of grainy. They were probably from old uh, drive-in prints, you know, from the, from the 70s, 60s and 70s, or maybe even from um, uh, when the movies uh, hit the syndicated uh, circuit. Now, and you remember what those copies looked like, right? Yes. Okay, and now you can see some pretty fantastic copies of these films in widescreen, uh, you know, in in much better shape, um, you know, with all the dubbing tracks intact and such. And you know, the the, the old VHS uh, version of these movies is kind of where my website begins. Do you do you see where I'm going with this? Yes, I do. Okay, and what I'm what I'm thinking is this, you know, is the uh, website a little too static now? Uh, and, you know, do I need to take it a step further? One of the things that I've been toying with, um, well, actually, we've already started it, but it hasn't uh, publicly debuted yet, is uh, my uh, spouse and I uh, are starting a vlog, and it's going to be um, – about uh, little touristy areas all across the U.S. Oh wow! And That's we've cool. been work we've been working on this for uh, a few months, and we started shooting some raw footage to 
put together later on. And it's kind of gotten me re-energized. Uh, it, it's got me, you know, kind of looking at traveling w- with a different eye. And I was thinking a few weeks ago, gosh, you know, I wish I could take the website in that same direction. And you know what? I think I can, but uh, I'm going to need um, kind of the advice uh, of you and anybody else who uh, remembers the website or uh, visits it frequently. I really need to know what visitors want from the website. You know, when I built the site, I built it for me, you know, essentially. Um, I wanted it to be the website that I couldn't find on the web at the time with information uh, about these actors and these films. Well, I maintain it and I, and I keep, you know, trying to enhance it for people who come in to the website. Okay. And what I'm, what I'm looking for now is uh, like some feedback uh, to know where to take it. I had thought about maybe doing a vlog for each actor profile, which I realize would take forever. Uh, but it, it sounds like a lot of fun. What would you think of something like that? Uh, for example, well, um, I, I went through YouTube uh, a few days ago, and while I could you know, uh, find, uh, for example, a, a number of Steve Reeves movies on YouTube and such, there wasn't anybody discussing them. You know, there, there wasn't... There wasn't a, you know, a 10 minute uh, clip of maybe a critique of the films or some history or background. There was nothing like that on YouTube. And I really think that there should be. What are your thoughts I, on that? I agree with you 100%. And uh, part of me wants the, uh, I want you to retain uh, what's there because it's, it's a classic thing and it's uh, reassuring to visit something that's become venerable, uh, uh, you know, on the internet. And uh, uh, one of the things I like about the site is it, it remained kind of retro, like the films themselves. So uh, it's just like watching the movies, visiting uh, the site. And I like all the changes that you've made to it over the years, but I like that retro quality uh, also. So if you can keep the old site as a shrine uh, and do new things, that'd be fantastic. And you're right. There really isn't uh, uh, much on that. The only uh, thing that I can think of is the parody uh, sites like the mystery science fiction theater. Uh, And I I don't particularly enjoy that type of uh, humor. Um, so I, I don't watch it, but uh, I would enjoy something informative about the uh, uh, movies, uh, and uh, that would be a phenomenal uh, thing, and uh, I don't think at this particular point in time that they can get that anywhere else, so um, that would be something to go to uh, the drive-in theater on uh, YouTube. Well, and you know, it would give me an excuse to create an, another YouTube channel, which I've been, been thinking about doing anyway. Uh, okay. And I, and I think it would um, – this probably sounds selfish, but I think it would re-energize me, and uh, it would you know, give me uh, another reason to go back into the website and you know, maybe put some additional thought into it. And I, I definitely you like the retro look of my website as well. And I've tried to use, you know, those garish Technicolor colors, you know, for the graphics and such. And the graphics, um, 
that that's one of the fun things about it uh for me and that's something i plan to keep uh you know i i do want the site to be pretty colorful and i could certainly um even from the youtube channel i could you know just i could link the vlog entries you know to the individual yeah. actor pages so that they would come up um but uh you know for a vlog entry um Time, time wise, I mean, should they be kind of short and sweet, uh, five minutes or so, you know, using uh, clips from the films and such, or, or, or you know, depending on the actor, uh, perhaps it should be expanded a bit. You know, for, um, for somebody who, for for somebody who had, uh, you know, a, a big career, for example, there's probably going to be more to talk about yeah. than for someone. You know who made a, just a handful of movies. Uh, very, very true. Uh, it depends on the the fandom that you get there. If it's somebody who's a diehard sword and sandal uh, fan, uh, the more information that they can find, the better. If it's a casual, uh, curious person, uh, a shorter uh, uh, clip works. Back when I had my uh, uh, fringe TV show. Uh, I never did any segment longer than three and a half minutes uh, because that was <laughs> the attention span of somebody watching fringe uh, cable at home. And, you know, they're, they're going to get up and go to the refrigerator. They're going to go to the bathroom, you know, whatever. Uh, so I kept everything under three and a half minutes. Uh, sometimes if I needed to go back to something, I did another three and a half minutes sometime later in the show uh, to, for the continuity, uh, but I wouldn't demand anybody's uh, attention for a very long time. And uh, I know when I look online, uh, I'm doing several things at once. So I'm, I'm listening to something, I'm reading something, uh, or I might be looking at several things uh, simultaneously. Uh, so it's, it's a whole different experience, even from the fringe uh, cable from uh, years ago. You know, and, and you bring up a re- I'm sorry. Uh, you bring up an excellent point in that, uh, you know, attention spans, you know, really aren't all that long. And I'm, pro- I'm as guilty of that, if not more guilty than most people. Um, uh, you know, I've worked in higher education for uh, most of my career. And I, whether it's true or not, who knows? But uh, we're being told that uh, millennials, uh, and Generation Z, which is the, the current uh, upcoming generation, mm-hmm. the oldest of whom are about 19 years old uh, at the moment, have an attention span of about eight seconds. I've heard um, that too. Like I said, uh, well, well, and I, I, part of me doesn't want to believe that, and then I get into the classroom and <laughs> suddenly <laughs> I believe it. Uh, but I, I, I really think that that's overstated. I, I think that perhaps people have longer attention spans than that. But I was thinking about doing it in five, let's say five minute segments. And that way you could, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you could build upon uh, the vlog entries, you know, based on the material that there is for that, uh, that particular performer. You know, somebody who had a long career might have, let's say, two or three vlog entries, whereas somebody who had a short career might just have that one five-minute snippet. It that would kind of make awesome. it mo- more mo- It would kind of make it more modular. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. 
I would definitely watch them and uh, link to them uh, for my timeline. And, um, you know, there again, I, I think it might even give me, um, you know, so, some ideas about, uh, you know, some other actors to pull into the website. I haven't done uh, a lot of new pages over the last three or four years. And part of it's because I really don't know, you know, where to take it. And, uh, well, an, another issue I've had with creating new pages is just, uh, you know, finding enough information and photos to tell you the truth. I mean, it's, it can still be pretty hard, uh, you know, to find, you know, something original to put out there. Right. Um, you know, so much of the so much of the information is now available anywhere. It just seems like you're replicating it. Uh, well, to me, it seems like I would be replicating it just to, you know, stuff it and com- compartmentalize it into a page. Um, and that's one of the reasons I haven't uh, created anything new. But if I did move uh, to um, yeah, I would still like to have static pictures, you know, uh, on any new um, uh, profile as well. But but for the old for the old ones, I would certainly want to keep you know the information I've got and the graphics that I have. Uh, but I think the vlog edition would, like I said, kind of help re-energize me and maybe get me on a different path and a different way of thinking and uh, get me creating more new content again. That would be phenomenally uh, awesome. What some uh, uh, people who've been on the show uh, regularly have done is they've taken their segments uh, um, and you know polished them up and then posted yeah. them on uh, YouTube. And you know, basically, uh, all I ask is people to credit that the original interview was on you know the show and so forth. Um, but uh, uh, if any of that content would be useful to you. Um, one uh, organization, the Unarius Academy of Science, they have uh, cosmic spirituality with UFOs and things like that. Uh, they told me mm-hmm. that they just did that with every single interview we've ever done together over the years. Uh, and, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and they put, it, they put it all on page with links and descriptions, and this way uh, people can learn through uh, what our conversations were all about. So uh, I guess if, if you don't have any original content to put up for one week, you could certainly polish up one of the older shows uh, and uh, and post it. That's, that's a good point. That's very true. I'll, I'll certainly uh, keep that in mind. Um, and you, just a few days ago, I'm kind of amazed at um, – how uh, how many lives you know some of these uh, actors have touched? Um, I was uh, looking at social media over the weekend and didn't realize that it was the uh, 52nd anniversary of um, the death of Jane Mansfield. You know who was married to Mickey Hargitay, who's well, they're both profiled on yeah. the website. Uh, uh, he, he did do you know a, a peplum or so here or there. Um, and uh, one of the ways I can I can talk about this, I mean, it, I was just amazed at, at, at how many different blog entries and vlogs and just general information there was about Jane Mansfield over the weekend in social media. I mean, she passed away in 1967. That was 52 years ago. And I was kind of amazed at how um, – I mean, even after all those years, and the people who would remember her would now be what in their sixties, seventies. Yes, probably. How she was, 
and, and how you know, she was like a big topic of conversation, you know, j- just a couple of days ago. I mean, I, I, it was all over my feed. Now, my feed has everything to do with B-movies. It might not have been in yours. Uh, but, but I saw it all over uh, Facebook, and I saw some, some entries on Twitter as well. So and it's, it's amazing to me that, you know, going back in time and pulling somebody – well, you know, an actor out of context um, uh-huh. in a sense, in a sense, but uh, seeing all that information blow up on social media, I thought, well, you know, that's amazing. That should happen – I mean, not for, maybe not celebrating the death of somebody, but um, there should be more of that. I think there there should be uh, let's take a historical look back. We we should try to do that a little more. And I think the uh, blog idea might help, you know, spur that on. I think so too. That sounds like a, a wonderful uh, idea, and it would be a little bit different than uh, uh, posting birthdays and uh, death days and uh, you know filmography. Uh, it, it would be something a, a little bit uh, different than that. The same concept, but it, it, it would be sufficiently different as to be uh, original. Well, and, you know, um, any uh, you know, uh, good interest or good hobby wants to bring in uh, new generations, wants to bring in younger people. And it would be a shame that if in 30 years these movies and these people are largely forgotten. And maybe this is one way to you know, pull in some some younger people, you know, uh, and you expose them to these films, and you know, expose them to the reasons why we love them. They might love them too. Very, very true. Uh, I don't think these films will be uh, forgotten as long as they're recorded in uh, in some uh, uh, way or enable accessible in some form and fashion because. Uh, a lot of people uh, are into cinema and a lot of people are into the mythical and uh, historical uh, genres that these films uh, portray. Uh, so for instance, with me, it's my love of mythology that kind of uh, uh, drives all of my interests and they all share that in common. And uh, although I'm interested in a lot of different mythologies, uh, including fictive ones, my primary interest is in the uh, Olympian or Greco-Roman Mediterranean type of uh, myths because uh, uh, they're so much a part of uh, who I am. So regardless of what comes out, be it a video game, be it a movie, uh, be it a play, you know, whatever it is, if it's thematically tied into uh, my passion, I'm interested in it. And uh, uh, if I can't experience it directly, uh, I'd love to experience it indirectly through people's opinions. Like when movies I'm interested in uh, come out, before I get a chance to see them, I usually have heard uh, about a dozen or two commentaries on the film. And uh, I don't really don't care about spoilers uh, because I'm used to reading books and then watching movies based on those books. And uh, right. uh, so... Uh, it's pretty much the same thing. What you're saying sounds uh, phenomenally uh, uh, exciting. And uh, uh, I know right now we're just brainstorming, but I really can't wait to see what you do with this. I, I know it'll be awesome because what you've done so far is, is awesome. Well, um, <clears throat> probably uh, I, I've, I've been playing around with some, um, you know, editing software and, uh, I know enough about it now just to be dangerous, uh, but, but I do want to, uh, you know, hone my skills a little bit more. 
but um, I, I think this is something I want to pursue, and I'd like to have something, you know, together before the August, or I should say by uh, the August broadcast on the 5th of uh, August. Um, I really would like to have something up, maybe if if nothing else, just a preview or, you know, some sort of promotional um, a snippet of some sort, but I would like to get this going uh, pretty soon. Like I said, um, it's kind of re the whole thought of logging has kind of re-energized me. Um, I've been I've been personally and professionally spinning my wheels a little bit, and uh, you know I'm I need some traction at this point. And like I said, this has changed my outlook entirely. Um, it's kind of given me a, a new direction uh, and a new way of thinking, you know, uh, about uh, these these old films that I've watched my whole life and, and that I love dearly. And I, I think that probably uh, comes through on my website. I never have anything – I try not to say anything negative about a particular film or a particular actor on my website because – but for me, that's I, I kind of understand what you mean about the, the parody websites. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I, I enjoy uh, the humor, but there again, I don't want to tear these movies down. <laughs> you know, I've spent the last uh, twenty-two years trying to build them up. Yes, you have, and and uh, what you've done. I remember when I first stumbled into it; it was something totally unique, and uh, I visited as often as I possibly uh, could. And uh, I'm really glad uh, that uh, you are um, still thinking about uh, doing that, preserving this in in a way, but updating your uh, tools and your techniques. Uh, uh, it should be very exciting, and uh, uh, the blog is an excellent way to do it. Uh, if you're traveling around uh, and doing uh, travel uh, blogs, all sort of blogs, uh, you can incorporate that uh, into those adventures, and that uh, I'm sure the particular places are tied into these stars. Uh, so if you're in one of these places uh, traveling, uh, you can do a short uh, um you know, thing maybe like this is the theater where uh, Steve Reeves first became interested in acting or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the facts happen to be about the places that you're visiting. And I, I believe that would enhance uh, it as well. Um, George Helmer. And, you know, we were, we were thinking, we were thinking about doing that too. Uh, and uh, you, uh, some of the sites we're, we're planning on visiting this summer, uh, we're leaving uh, later on this month for, um, kind of a fairly extended uh, vacation where we're going to shoot a lot of the video. We're going to hit uh, a drive-in theater, for example, and um, we're going to hit a lot of, you know, relics of that past, you know, the the 19 relics of the fifties and sixties and so forth. And I, you're right. I do see a tie in, uh, you know, between the two interests. And I think it would be fantastic to, um, you know, go to some of these places, um, you know, places where some of this history was made and go back into it. I think that uh, would be awesome. And it would be some, it would make for a terrific vlog entry, if nothing else. Almost certainly so. And it'll it'll preserve the heritage. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to visit uh, George Helmer's new uh, um, Steve Reeves site, Um, but uh, I know that he, 
you know, was doing like a lot of really interesting things or, or thinking about doing a lot of uh, very interesting things. So it might be worth uh, uh, visiting there to see what it's been. He has a lot of historic footage, for instance, uh, and he was thinking yeah. of putting it all online and making it available. Uh, so that might be a, a good place to get inspired because uh, uh, I remember he had a very similar conversation here like a year, year and a half ago. Um, so uh, that might be another source of ideas. And that's an excellent uh, idea. <clears throat> Excuse me, now, I'm what are, having some uh, having some allergy problems tonight. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I've been having those as well lately. I, our half hour is up uh, already, and it, it always goes by fast. Um, I wish you great success. Uh, I know that whatever you do will be awesome, and I look forward to uh, um, getting immersed in it and uh, visiting from time to time. And uh, thank you so much for uh, caring about uh, Sword and Sandal enough to do all that you've been doing and for sharing uh, your thoughts here. I'm greatly honored, and uh, whatever you do, let me know, and I'll, I'll gladly promote it to the best of my ability. And I appreciate that, Hercules. Okay, have a wonderful day, and uh, I look forward to next month. Okay, and uh, for those of you who li- who are listening, uh, please vis- visit me on Facebook. You can run a search for Brian's Drive-In Theater, and my uh, Facebook profile will pop up. Also, uh, look for me on the web, com. Very awesome. And to those on Facebook, uh, during the promo for today's show, there are links to all of these uh, uh, wonderful places. Thanks again, Brian. Have an awesome day and great success. Okay, we'll talk next month. Okay, and we're going to listen to Dave the Bard's Cauldron Born, and then we'll be back with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training.
He calls to the powers of earth, sea and sky Of dragon and fairy and shades of the night He calls to his ancestors of blood and bone Of womb and tomb and standing stone Lady, stir your cauldron well Chant your words and sing your spell Deep within this darkened hall Hear the goddess Herod when called Come and taste of the cauldron's brew And magic she will give to you You will dance in the eye of the storm Your Keridwen's children, the cauldron born
of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your Caridwen's children, the cauldron born. Cauldron born, cauldron born, with a cauldron born, cauldron born, with a cauldron born. Greetings and welcome to Voice of Olympus. We're in the second half of our program, we're experiencing some connectivity issues, which I will now try to correct. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'll put in another song and uh, for your listening pleasure. And then we will continue with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training as soon as we are able. This is Dave the Bard again with Land, Sea, and Sky. For calling Super Strength Training. For sales, press 1. For general information, press 2. This town is so cold. 
And welcome back to Blog Talk Radio and the Voice of Olympus. Our connectivity problems continue. Uh, so, what I will do for the next hour until we can connect with uh, Bill Hinburn from Super Strength Training is I will make some announcements, explain some of the things that uh, we're up to, and uh, we will be listening to music. So, I hope that that is uh, agreeable with you. And now, let me. Pull up some content.
Okay. Um, I had early in life something that I call the primal vision. And the primal vision motivates uh, all my actions. And it pretty much explains everything that uh, I do and everything that I've done and everything that I will be doing. So I'll be sharing my primal vision uh, tonight. Um, I glimpse the top of a mountain shrouded in mist. Hovering on high, I can discern the ruins of an ancient Acropolis complex in the timeless twilight. I wait alone, formless in the silence. In time, a lone figure, powerfully built and clad in the skin of a lion, makes his way toward the abandoned temple of the highest. His hair and beard are still mostly brown, though streaked with white and gray. In his right hand, he wields a knobby club studded with bronze. My consciousness enters this figure, and henceforth I see through his eyes. I know that I am now Hercules, son of Zeus and progenitor of my line. Entering the fallen structure, I move through it unerringly until I reach a rectangular stone table, a long-neglected altar to the Olympians. Upon the altar is an antique horn from a heavenly bull, I tell myself. I then realize that I have been here many times before and that I know exactly what I must do. The horn is of monstrous size and etched with arcane glyphs. Some of the etchings are inlaid with silver or a silvery metal. I put down my club, cautiously lift the artifact to my lips, then blow into the smaller end with all my strength. The bellowing call echoes through the firmaments. With the horn of summoning still in hand, I exit the temple and peer purposefully into the murky skies near where I myself once hovered. I can detect faint presences, spirits that have answered my summons, who will help me in carrying out my Olympian mission. Some take on form, while others remain formless. But this I know. All who have responded will assist me in some unique and important way. And with this realization, the vision starts to fade. I am blessed with a brief glimpse of the ruins restored to their former glory. The sky is lambent, blue, and clear. There are mythic beings engaged in joyous activity, I myself among them. And I realize that this is Mount Olympus, my eternal point of origin and return, my heaven and my soul's true home. Now, you must know that this waking dream sequence, which I first experienced in my early childhood, has accompanied me and guided me and informed me throughout my life. The vision is as vivid today as it was when it first visited me. And as I progress through my earthly sojourn, the ending becomes increasingly more vivid and clear. Uh, you will notice that uh, if you survey my activities, uh, they are rooted in this primal vision that has guided me. Um, I will continue next with the Age of Heroes, but in the interim, we will listen to Dave the Bard's Isis Unveiled. Uh, it does not have much to do or anything to do with theosophy, uh, but it was the title of a book by Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, and theosophy plays uh, very heavily into my story, as you will see.
again create the time with every move and line jackal god against the moon and the game will be over soon can you hear the earth sighing as he turns towards the sky the time of raw is ending and the sun Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and today I'm sharing some back information uh, that kind of contextualizes uh, uh, the, these podcasts and a lot of other actions that uh, I've been taking. Anyway, the Age of Heroes. You will notice uh, as you look at the uh, promos for the podcast that increasingly more podcasts are being labeled Age of Heroes. Uh, we had one tonight with uh, Donald F. Glute. And uh, 
um, I will explain this a little bit now. Uh, the age of the victim is finally over. The age of heroes has begun. This was something I proclaimed and uh, uh, over a few decades ago, and I still keep uh, proclaiming it. The way the hero posits that one must utilize one's individual strengths to make one's world a better place. One need not be perfect or operating from ideal circumstances either. Are not the heroes that inspire us often tragically flawed? Are their lives not in a state of flux and full of uncertainty? Does this prevent them from attempting and accomplishing great things? Our Age of Heroes initiatives have harnessed the creative energy and focused the attention of many heroic individuals with radically diverse backgrounds over the years, directing it towards improving the collective quality of human life. The Age of Heroes welcomes secular, intrafaith, and interfaith participation. As with the Argonaut expedition of old, the children of different and sometimes warring gods are invited to partner with exceptional mortals to face great challenges and accomplish great things. In the early dawn of this new millennium, I partnered with individuals and organizations to stem the tide of the ever-growing digital divide in New York City. Our collective efforts led to a free computer drop-in center in downtown Brooklyn and an innovative intern-extern volunteer program called New Shores. Our adventures were chronicled through the e-radio show Navigating the Digital Divide, a comic strip in Big News, a few cliffhanger tales on Psych Journey, presentations at conferences, and an Age of Heroes special episode in the third season of my Fringe television show. From 2005 to 2014, the focus was much narrower. I championed literacy, functional, vocational, cultural, informational, digital, multicultural, and environmental in rural northeastern Pennsylvania and northwestern New Jersey. Through my individual efforts, in partnership with my wife, through our mythic 501C, and the coordinated cooperative endeavors uh, with local individuals and organizations. Local media and our website chronicled those adventures. And now our sojourn has returned us to northeastern New Jersey and the greater New York metropolitan area. I'm inspired to dedicate myself to actualizing the ultimate dream, manifesting Elysium in the here and now. Elysium is the highest heaven the mortal world can conceive. And I invite you to help by facing the challenges in our world. And there are many, uh, and some of them are very uh, overwhelming, and yet they must be faced and we must take action. Now is the time to take uh, action. Uh, We're going to listen to another song for a little while, and uh, the song will be, um, let's see, Ah, okay. We've uh, connected with our guests, so we'll not be listening to another song. Greetings and welcome, Bill Hinburn. How are you? Good evening. How are you? I'm doing phenomenally well. I'm getting used to a new uh, computer, uh, and uh, the sound quality sounds a lot better than it normally sounds, and <laughs> things are getting... Uh, um, recorded uh, a lot uh, smoother, so uh, I'm very happy with that. How are you? Great. Um, now, tonight's episode will rely on your knowledge and wisdom uh, and address uh, the theme of inspiration. 
one of the things that inspired me as a child and still inspires me to this day is in that I watch the things as I'm working out a lot of times is uh, uh, the sword and sandal genre that uh, presented a certain type of hero and a certain type of uh, physique is uh, heroic. And although these uh, muscle men in the sword and sandal films uh, did not look identical, they had a lot of different body types. Uh, um, they, there was a standard stamp to it uh, as well. It was kind of like a pre-steroid uh, bodybuilder. And this inspired a lot of people, myself included, to work out continuously throughout my life. Uh, and uh, your products, your books, have certainly uh, fueled that impulse and uh, inspired me to keep uh, going. And uh, you give phenomenal advice, so I figured I would address that with you today. What would you recommend for someone who is inspired by these old action movies uh, and wants to embody and express that type of uh, masculinity in our world? Well, I think one thing you have to keep in mind is, is uh, uh, Hercules uh, from Greek mythology uh, symbolized strength. You know, you had a god for just about everything. You have a god of uh, yeah. uh uh, the sky, God of lightning, uh, God of the earth, God of the trees, you know, uh, every, every, everything uh, uh, the Greeks looked at back in the day, uh, uh, they had to make a God for it. Uh, and, of course, the king of uh, all the uh, uh, gods was Zeus. Uh, yes. But Hercules, more importantly, there have been a variety of different uh, uh, statues made in his supposed likeness, very muscular man. You had the, uh, you know, the classic with him standing, leaning on a club, uh, the Farnes, and you had yeah. the Hercules in chains, and uh, uh, you had a variety of other ones. Uh, uh, and and uh, the whole time, uh, uh, especially with Hollywood, Hollywood picks up on uh, um, certain themes and runs with it. You know, back in the... 20s and 30s silent films and what have you. You had a, a lot of humor, tragedy, and what have you. In the 30s, you had, uh, especially due to the Depression, a lot of the movies were uplifting. You know, nobody wanted to go to a movie and uh, feel sad, you know, come out of it. They wanted to feel happy. So uh, uh, that's the type of movies you had there. And then World War II was a cash cow for uh, Hollywood. You know, there were so many movies made uh, about World War II, you know, constantly. And then uh, move on into uh, uh, the 50s, and you had uh, Westerns. You know, you don't see too many Westerns nowadays. There's a few that are, uh, in, you know, that are uh, on uh, on uh, television, you know, series and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Not many. And then after that, uh, you had uh, the... Uh, 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 spy, you know, the James Bond thrillers and stuff like that. And the police uh, uh, shows uh, were intermingled with that. And then there was a short period uh, in the late 50s through to mid-60s. And uh, that was uh, <clears throat> that was what you referred to as the uh, sword and sandal. Uh, also during the time, uh, you had, uh, uh, and, and of course these were made in Europe and Italy, and uh, because of the cost, 
you know, it, uh, they they were uh, essentially low budget, and in many cases, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they hired uh, uh, either B uh, B actors or uh, you know famous people. You know, I remember there was one uh, with Steve Reeves, and there was the great uh, uh, heavyweight boxing champion Primo Canera. Uh, he was in it, and they had a fight scene. Uh, uh, but the spaghetti western westerns were popular. Like the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly for a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, and and uh, and uh, stuff like that. But the important thing to note is, uh, to the best of my knowledge, the Hercules uh, in 1957, uh, the movie the same name, uh, starred uh, uh, Steve Reeves, and his. Um, role what got him into the movies was he parlayed his uh, bodybuilding career although mm-hmm. uh, you know he didn't he didn't win a lot of different contests but they were not in a lot of different contests available back then he was a Mr. America and then he had uh, 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 some few before that you know out uh, on the western seaboard and then uh, he was Mr. Universe but his uh uh, uh, role as Hercules probably, and I think this has been supported by many, uh, many of the uh, 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 kids back in the day. Uh, started uh, kids uh, uh, fooling around with uh, barbells, and uh, right. this this is the important thing. Another one of the course was Reg, Reg Park, and and uh, from uh, from England, uh, a three time Mister Universe uh, uh, winner. And uh, very very popular, especially in England. He was, uh, uh, he was, uh, and I saw him. Um, I saw one of his movies in the early '60s. I don't recall which one. It's probably uh, oh, Hercules in the Haunted World or something like that. Okay, uh-huh. he made five five different movies. Uh, right. Uh, Reeves only made a few. He he didn't make that many, but he made several other movies with action heroes, you know. And again, they were all all made overseas. And when he even he even attempted to uh, make one of his own movies, uh, Long Ride from Hell. Uh, that was his last appearance, I believe, in a movie, and it was not uh, very well accepted. It was a western, and uh, it was made. Uh, uh, in Italy, ironically, uh, Steve Reeves was offered the part of the man with no name in *The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly*, uh-huh. and uh, he turned it down. His reason, yeah. quote, quote unquote, I don't think Italians can make movies. Really? <laughs> now, the interesting thing, or westerns, I should say. Uh, the ironic thing about it was his long ride from hell uh, was was made in Italy by himself. So uh, uh, he was offered several different roles in in different. If if you do the research on the internet uh, on various movies of how they want to cast people, uh, it's very interesting. The people that either turned down the role because they simply didn't like the script the part Mm -hmm. or there was a conflict with another movie but it's really amazing for example uh you recall uh gunsmoke 
Yes, I remember the, that show. The, uh, a TV series back in the 50s and the 60s. That was first offered to John Wayne. And John Wayne, I don't know, I can't remember now just offhand if he turned it down or if there was a conflict, uh, schedule conflicts. See, scheduling, con- you know, schedule conflicts uh, are very common. But what he did was he said, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, can't do the part, but may I suggest a good friend of mine, James Arnez. And that it's is history. The is the end. That's my, uh, and that made a career move for uh, James Arnez, you know, albeit he's typecast, but, it, you know, evidently he didn't care. But uh, but there were several several uh, uh, parts like that, but I don't want to get off the subject. The subject is Hercules and and uh, 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 what we have today as far as as uh, the catalyst for, again, many uh, uh, young teenage boys to take up bodybuilding and weightlifting. And it became right. very popular. It exploded in the late 50s, early 60s. And uh, you had many... Uh, 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 very popular. Uh, uh, this is all before Arnold, although Arnold was uh, 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 he was one of them that yes. saw Reg Park and thought, "That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. I want to be the greatest bodybuilder in the world." And uh, uh, Arnold has a reputation. Pardon me. And make movies as well. The, it was uh, Hercules uh, in the Underworld. It's going by uh, Hercules Against the Vampires. It's, it's, uh, it has several different titles, but uh, that had Reg Park in it, and that cemented yes, his yes. Uh, his destiny right there. And he's credited it. Yes. Uh, so it's amazing. Yes, and his first movie was Hercules Goes Bananas or Hercules in New York. It goes New by York. two different titles. But anyway, that was his first, uh, and it was a you know so-so type movie. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. it it got his uh, his feet wet, got him uh, you know some notoriety of any. And then uh, later on, he went on to uh, do a variety of different movies, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, he went on from there. And and there are many other, uh, even the popular bodybuilders that have won titles over the years since that time do give uh, uh, Steve Reeves and Reg Park a great deal of credit for getting them uh, started. The thing is, the popularity of Steve Reeves and Reg Park would never, ever be as great as it is today if it weren't for their roles uh, on the silver screen. Can you imagine anybody outside of the bodybuilding world, which is, by the way, extremely small, okay, uh, Mm -hmm. would never hear of them. You know, it's just like uh, George Reeves, no relation to Steve Reeves whatsoever. Uh, Superman, okay. Uh, Kids back in the 50s, every kid knew Superman. Every, Every kid. Very, very popular television series, okay. Uh, George Reeves would never, uh, nobody would know who he was. You know, even though he had a had a very small role in the, in the uh, famous uh, motion picture uh, Gone with the Wind. Gone with he the was Wind, one yes. of the, 
he was one of the brother, one of the brothers of the red hair. But the but the thing is with with Hercules and in the bodybuilding is it was a catalyst, like I say, for all the youngins to uh, you know take up bodybuilding and weightlifting and uh, and uh, you know do whatever. And it's also the the uh, 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 the male tendency to want to get be big and strong. It's uh, you know to uh, attract a fairer sex and and uh, to be good at sports, you know, and to be uh, big. It's not only with humans, but it's also in the animal kingdom. You'll notice if an animal feels threatened, they will make them try to make themselves look as big as possible. Yes. A bird, for example, will flush out their feathers. A peacock will will uh, uh, fan out their tail feathers. Okay. Uh, bears will stand up and put their arms out and roar and what have you. Lions also. Um, it, it's just a natural phenomenon. And uh, uh, to be bigger and stronger and to be able to, uh, you know, protect themselves, not be intimidated and what have you. It's all part of it. Charles Atlas, the uh, the uh, uh, man famous for uh, dynamic tension. Dynamic tension. Uh, uh, his ads, full-page ads on the back of comic books, all the way from uh, the late 20s, uh, even even today, is very popular. The course is still available, and yes. it's pretty much the same thing. It hasn't been altered very much at all, if any. And uh, it uh, it takes uh, a young kid that's uh, you know scrawny, skinny, uh, uh, very uh, self-conscious. Acne, possibly uh, shy around girls. Uh, it you know it it appeals to their emotions. If you want to get anybody to do anything, don't. Ironically, appeal to them with logic. Appeal right. to their emotions. Appeal to their heart. That is the key, and that's what the uh, the Atlas courses did. I'll make a man out of you, you know, and the uh, the old cliche of. Uh, of uh, uh, you know uh, the the bully uh, kicked sand in Max's face, and Max said he had enough of it. He lost his girl, and he went home, and he got the Charles Atlas course and started uh, doing the uh, exercises and uh, uh, using the healthy living living conditions and stuff like that, eating right and what have you. Came back to take on the bully. That is uh, that is a story that uh, is timeless. It still goes on today, you know, and uh, but the uh, this the uh, sword and sandal type uh, 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 movies, low budget, and and uh, but they they send a a message, all be them, very loosely, uh-huh. <laughs> very loosely uh, based on what actually went on back in the day with Hercules or for that matter any of the other ones. You know, anytime you go to a movie you have to you have to keep in mind, you know, it's entertainment. Um they want to entertain you. It's not a documentary. Anytime right. you see uh anytime you see a, a movie that's based on a book or anything, it will say based on based on a particular book. And believe me, they take once they get the rights to it from the author or whoever holds the uh, the copyright, they will do whatever they can 
to sell tickets. It's how it right. is. Many times, it's nothing like the book. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, and and I I don't blame them. I mean, it's you know, it's it's their money, their investment. Mm-hmm. If you've ever uh, if you've ever learned how they uh, how these big movies are made, they have to get investors. You know, they come up with a capital right. or what have you. And sometimes uh, they run out of money. For example, Star Wars. Uh, that uh, a lot of that uh, uh, was altered because of the cost. They were keeping the cost on all the unknown actors and even the ones that were known. Um, uh, Peter Cushing, for example, in the in the first one that was made, uh, uh, he was a villain. He was a uh, he was a B uh, movie actor, you know, uh, and and none of the other people were were known. They, this is where they all got their start, and it was just the luck of the draw. And and incidentally, they all had the same uh, uh, belief that this was just another movie, and it wasn't really going to be that popular. <laughs> Little did they know, you know. Um, That's an but, interesting point uh, because it, it does appeal to your emotions, and yeah, they're very loosely based on the original uh, mythologies. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, and they were made to appeal to an audience for, uh, from the late fifties uh, 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 to the mid sixties. Uh, uh, but the, the the powerful message that they all come back to is that an individual can stand up to a society and affect change. Mm-hmm. So the individual is usually a hero, uh, and uh, in the sword and sandal movies they had muscles. In a kung in a kung fu movie or a samurai movie, you know they they would be dressed uh, differently because it's a different culture. But the message there is the same too. That lone wolf, you know, that lone figure, uh, can and has the power of changing the society or, or around them. And that's something I think we all need to hear periodically. Um, yeah, sometimes you just have to take action. Yes, exactly. Very, very well stated. And and uh, uh, many uh, there there are many uh, movies uh, where, uh, like I say, they're they're far different than the book. And in many cases. Uh, you know, you only have so much time. You've only got a couple hours at most with a uh, with a movie. You know, some of these books are very big, and uh, you know, a lot of the detail is left out because it's uh, it's it's considered superficial. Right. And many times in the movies, the actors or the directors will take uh, a chance and say something or do something that was never in the book and was never suggested by the director. The actor simply puts it in there. Many actors are difficult to deal with for that reason. And many actors are very good for that reason. They will come up with things that are profound. Uh, just off the top of my head, I can't, uh, I can't think of, uh, of any one thing right now that would be, that would come to people. Oh, in the Godfather, when uh, one of the uh, uh, hoods uh, takes one of the guys out and uh, knocks him off, uh, you've heard the uh, uh, "Leave the gun, take the cannoli." That that was never that was never 
I don't believe that was in the book and the director. <laughs> the, the, that that particular actor was not asked to come back. <laughs> he never. I don't think he appeared in any of the other movies. But but the thing was, uh, uh, it's 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 something that is is uh, is remembered by everybody. You know. Right. But that, that's that's just an example of of uh, of somebody uh, you know adding something, ad libbing or whatever you know. Uh, but uh, the, the the sword and sandal uh, uh, theme. Uh, was popular back in the day, and uh, like everything else, it simply fizzled out. It wasn't because of the quality or anything. It was just because of the interest. You know, it, yeah. it only lasted maybe, oh, maybe ten years tops. Okay. Reg Park did. Uh, Steve Reeves did his in '57. Hercules, the first one, and yeah. uh, Reg Park did uh, did his in 1965. Now. There may have been several other Hercules movies done by others. Um, of course, Lou Ferrigno with Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Ryan Ryan Gosling, you know, <laughs> he yeah, was in the, you know one of those. Uh, uh, Mark Forrest, uh, uh, Mickey Hargitay, you know, yes. they they all played you know in in some some way in in the in some of the uh, 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 Hercules movies, and then there's several other ones, and I I just can't think of them offhand who they are. But if you, if you look it up, uh, you'll see you know many Hercules movies, uh, and uh, and it's all played the you know the same way, loosely based on mythology, you know, and uh, uh, you know uh, the good uh, Hercules takes on the evil whoever's. And and uh, of course wins out, but uh, uh, everybody loves the winner. And back then, uh, you all the, the good guys always won. Today, not so much. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, but back then it was always the good guys. Uh, but the sword and sandal movies uh, uh, have always been uh, uh, popular in Europe too. And yeah. uh, I think that uh, it was it was simply the cost that uh, made them popular uh, uh, over here. You know, um, peplum I think is what they're called many of the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and there's a huge fan base for that sort of thing. You know, and it isn't just limited to. Uh, to Hercules, but like I say, the sword and uh, and uh, sandal uh, type stuff. Right before you're on, we have uh, Brian Walker. He's uh, uh, created the site uh, Brian's Drive-In Theater. Uh, oh, yeah. And it started with uh, the many faces of Hercules, then he expanded it to include all sorts of uh, B-movies. But he's on right before you. Uh, so, yeah, there's a big fandom for that, and uh, uh, even though they haven't really made a lot of those movies uh, since uh, the mid-60s, they, they do occasionally turn one out. Uh, and, and people love the old movies. They love the newer uh, versions uh, of them, even though they're very different from the older ones. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I count myself a fan of that genre. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it goes back further than, uh, than uh, um, 
Steve Reeves in 1957. Yeah. But the popularity, that's when it really exploded. You know, they go all the way back to the silent, uh, uh, the silent films. You know, you 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 can go back to 19, uh, the early uh, you know 20th century. You had Quo Vadis. You know, that was mm-hmm. a that was a big deal. Uh, then you had the Massisti uh, movies. You know, yeah. uh, Massisti this, Massisti that, and and uh, you know there were there were tons of those made, but they're all inexpensive, you know, and and they moved up to uh, um, uh, Ben Hur, you know, um, that was an interesting uh, uh, movie with the yeah. chariots and stuff like that, um, especially when you look up in the sky and you see an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cool, and uh, also yeah. one of the chariot, one of the chariot drivers had a wristwatch on. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like to look at you know the the outtakes and the and the uh, and the mistakes you know uh-huh. that they that they make in the in the movies. You know, I'm a big fan of outtakes too, you know, where they where they make mistakes. You know. Especially when they swear afterwards, or they get all upset and everything, you know. But uh, again, you had Mickey Hargitay, you had uh, Reg Lewis, Mark Forrest, Gordon Mitchell, Van Vattis, Gordon Scott, and of course Park and Reeves, and Alan Steele was another one. Kirk Morris, you know, th- these are all all guys that played uh, 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 in the peplum uh, uh, genre, and and. Uh, uh, were immensely popular if you were into that that Hercules type thing. Now, the 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 two that really stand out again is Reeves and Park because of the popularity uh, and and uh, uh, quality of the movies. They were probably better than the rest, you know. Um, uh, Brad Harris is another one. Peter Lupus. Uh-huh. He was built with Brock Stevens, you know, and 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 uh, uh, all of those were uh, uh, were uh, uh, very popular. Uh, and and uh, Hercules, Hercules Unchanged, Goliath and the Dragon, Hercules versus the Hydra, <laughs> Hercules and the Captive Women. Hercules and the Captive Women, I believe. Um, was the one that I saw, or maybe it was Hercules in the Haunted World. I don't remember. Park made five movies, okay? And, yes. and uh, he told me, because I had correspondence with him in telephone calls in the early 70s, and he said uh, they approached him, you know, after winning uh, uh, um, uh, Mr. Universe 1958, shortly, uh, maybe a year or so after that, and uh, they wanted to play Hercules. Well, here's an interesting note. They never asked Reg Park to lose any weight. That's why he was so mammoth. In the same right. way with uh, with uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger when he did the Hercules movies. They never asked him to lose any weight. However, they did ask Steve Reeves to lose weight for his part in Hercules. They didn't want him to appear so big because... You know, whenever you go on TV or uh, film, uh, you always appear to be 10 pounds heavier, okay? Yeah. It's just the way that the camera lens reads everything. So uh, uh, when I talked to Park, he said uh, uh, he might be interested, 
and they wanted to fly him to Italy. You know, he was living in uh, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and he said, mm-hmm. I want a uh, first-class round-trip ticket. Uh, I can't imagine him flying anything other than first-class because he's so big. and uh, he, I mean, he's huge. And and uh, <clears throat> he wanted first-class accommodations, you know, uh, and he would talk to them. Well, he, he went there, and I think... Uh, he didn't tell me this, but I think that uh, uh, his his uh, his uh, appearance, you know, just the way he carried himself and what have you, he's he's very good posture, and he's a real gentleman. I met him uh, oh, just a few months before he passed away, and he was uh, when he walked in the room, you knew somebody walked in the room. Is how he was, and mm-hmm. uh, and so they hired him, you know, and. Uh, uh, he did the movie. He says the money was very good. He says that was uh, he was glad that he 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 did that, you know. But he had a number of things going on um, uh, in the late fifties. Of course, he had his barbell business that he had been going on for several years, and he had uh, the Ridge Park Journal, his magazine, which was very popular, had a great circulation, and uh, sold health foods. He had a string of gems in uh, uh, Johannesburg, and mm-hmm. uh, and then he was making the movies. Well, he had a you know he did every, just about everything that Joe Weider did, except he didn't uh, he didn't uh, sponsor any contests. <coughs> so again, he was very popular in England. He was he was the uh, he was the big deal over there, and of course Johannesburg, but. Uh, uh, you know something had to go, so uh, his uh, he he dropped the magazine. It uh, it uh, merged in with uh, Man's World, and uh, uh, then of course after the uh, uh, after the movies, his final uh, uh, win was the 1965 uh-huh. Mr. Universe, and uh, he entered a few other contests after that, but. Uh, Considering his age and everything, he always uh, uh, placed very favorably. It's either you know first, second, or third in all the contests that he did. And uh, uh, but uh, again, I'm I'm drifting off from <laughs> from this subject here. We only have a couple of minutes to go, um, and uh, that's a good place to leave it because uh, Reg Park was a legend in his day, inspired a lot of people, including Arnold, and he actually mentored Arnold and helped Arnold. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Take he did that for a lot of people. So uh, yes. he, he was really an exemplar uh, in, in more than just his bodybuilding and his businesses He and, and being a movie star. He, he helped a lot of people. So uh, that's something we should all strive for, to make our lives uh, meaningful, to find our dreams, to find our passions, and to create a life from them, uh, and then to do things that that help other people. I can imagine nothing better. Exactly. And uh, he he did, uh, oh, many things. We could do an entire topic on uh, on just Reg Park or Steve Reeves or, you know, any, any number of people uh, um, that actually – uh, were very instrumental, but but Park especially was was a mentor, and he was very helpful for other people. He he really uh, uh, he did an awful lot of good things, and he was very. Well, I remember when he passed away. My gosh, 
you know, the the whole iron uh, the whole iron game, the weightlifting world was shocked. You know, well, you know it's going to happen sooner or later, but you, it's it's difficult to accept. You know, when and, it happened. And, uh, oh my gosh, yes. You know, uh, and it's happening all the time. You know, when when somebody passes away. Uh, I hate to see it. I've been doing what I do for fifty over fifty years, and uh, that's the tough thing. Is when I get a phone call or an email or uh, or returned uh, uh, catalog or whatever, and this, this person's deceased. I mean, I get to know people, uh, for example, through telephone, correspondence, emails, uh, uh, meeting them, meeting up with them, and then suddenly, boom, they're gone. You know, and it it it. It takes a piece of you with them, you know, and uh, it's 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 just tough. It's uh, it's one of the toughest things I have to deal with uh, from what I do. I have a lot of memories and a lot of memorabilia, uh, personal effects from people that I've known over the years, and uh, that's that's a tough call. Um, it you know, it is. And uh, as you get older, you learn to appreciate uh, life. It's a very precious thing, and uh, yes. uh, it's way too quickly, uh, like tonight's show, and uh, uh, to appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate uh, you've done great things uh, for me, I know, in my life, and inspired and informed me and for the lives of other people, and I'm greatly honored that you're on the show. Uh, I look forward to our conversation next month. Thank you very kindly. So do I. Thank you very kindly, Hercules. Okay, be well, my friend. And uh, if you're on Facebook, all the connections to Super Strength Training and uh, to Bill's uh, Facebook page are, are there. And I really recommend that you uh, check out the site. Subscribe to the free newsletter. Until next time, this is Bill and Hercules wishing you joyous journeys and awesome adventures. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.